0: You are listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. James Marshall is a registered investment advisor and president of Marshall Wealth Management. His registered investment advisory firm is registered in Texas and Kentucky. For 30 years, he has been educating, advising, and managing wealth for diverse families all over the country. This podcast is about different concepts of wealth building, some financial, some emotional, physical, and yes, some spiritual. The bottom line is you will leave with some. knowledge and knowledge is wealth so whether you're walking running exercising or having your choice of beverages no judgments here clear then open your mind and get ready for some life-changing financial lessons it's your time here's your host james marshall
1: Welcome, Wealth Builders, to podcast number 71. Just a few things to consider before buying real estate. You know, when it comes to building wealth in America, most families hold the majority of their wealth in real estate. And when I say real estate, I mean their residence. So it is important that you make sound decisions and plan wisely When considering the purchase of a home. When you do a comprehensive financial plan, it lets you know how much house you can really afford. The preparation and planning for a home purchase should go beyond your debt to income ratio and your cash reserves. It should include the stability of your employment or your business. It should include your willingness and ability to maintain your own property and your non-traditional monthly expenses obligation. You know you have expenses that you have to pay that may not be on the basic expense list, still needs to be considered. All these things and more play an important role in your ability to finance and maintain a property with minimized stress. I had a speaking engagement at the National Association of Real Estate Brokers at their mid-winter conference in San Diego. And I decided to interview a couple of real estate professionals on two critical components in the home purchasing process, financing and appraisals. So let's hear what they have to say. Hey, I'm here with Mosey. Gatling. We're going to call him Mo for sure. Is that okay?
2: Absolutely fine.
1: Now, Mo, you are a mortgage consultant or mortgage broker?
2: I'm actually a sales manager for Loan Depot, so I work for a direct mortgage loan there.
1: Okay, well, you caught me off guard there. (laughs) But that works. So the question here is, what are some of the pitfalls that people tend to fall into to make it difficult for them to get fan
2: Out the gates, I would say, probably lack of preparation. If you think about it, LeBron didn't go from picking up the basketball for the first time to winning a championship game mm-hmm. in seven days. Okay. So, knowing everybody needs housing, I'd say talking to someone like yourself mm-hmm. or listening to things like this to be able to get prepared would be great. Mm-hmm. So, having money in the bank for starters. Everybody needs some form of money, even if you get down payment assistance, to pay the honest deposit, to pay for inspections, appraisals, and things like that. So not having the money, uh, maybe not having, say, credit in line for what they want to purchase up front it can cause a problem in the long run or hiccups throughout the process, or even initially getting the approval.
0: Uh,
2: I think if you do those two things with some preparation, even. 12 months before you're going to actually get into a purchase, talking to somebody is good for that reason. Because besides those things, if you set it up correctly, it becomes so much of an easier process.
1: I can imagine. I tell clients all the time having a financial plan which lays out your assets, your liability, your income, and your expenses gives you the information that most mortgage brokers are looking for. Do you find that makes the transition to uh, getting a loan much
2: easier? Absolutely. Getting a loan, having your credit in order is phenomenal in in any sense of the way, I actually believe, because a lot of people don't realize this. The things that I do to get people ready to buy homes, it causes you to have cheaper car insurance because they look at your credit rating. Everything is going to be based on your credit rating, even the deposits you have to give to get utilities. So being locked and loaded when it comes to that is phenomenal because I think when you go out there and look in the marketplace for a home, you're sure to find something that you, you love. Mm-hmm. I feel that if you really buckle down and look, you're going to find what you love. I see people get frustrated when they find what they love and the other piece isn't ready because it's preparation and then that opportunity coming along that actually makes home ownership. It's not by chance. So if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready type situation. You know how people say that? It, it also applies to finance as well.
1: And I like to say to clients, look, the realtor has an interest in you buying more house than you can afford. Even the loan broker sometimes has an interest in borrowing more money than you can afford. But The financial advisor knows what you can afford. So it's important for you to go through that process of really being true to yourself, getting naked in the mirror, if you will, mm-hmm. what you really can afford to get. Because you know there's your regular expenses and then those ex- expenses that come all the time, but they're just not traditional expenses. Such as you helping out your younger brother who it was just downsized. That's still an expense that you have committed to. So, how would you suggest that clients address that phenomenon?
2: That plan being ready. I think getting a house for me and getting people qualified is not the only piece. I don't want to overqualify people because we talk a lot about buying back the block mm-hmm. and things like that that doesn't work if you can't sustain the payment that i put you Amen. in so part of that we've had phenomenons like covid mm-hmm. right pandemics um people won't get sick you have to help family you need just a set of tires let's mm-hmm. talk about that if you're ready and you have money set aside in mortgage world people will call it reserves um if you have reserves that means you have so much of your monthly payment set aside. It really can be a lifesaver, even if you had to take a couple of weeks off work because that close family member needed that attention. I ran into that during COVID. Had I not been prepared, I may not have been able to take off work. Mm-hmm. Or honestly, I would have taken off work regardless. But what suffers because I did. Mm-hmm.
1: And and it's interesting that you were bringing up cash reserves. I believe that is one of the four cornerstones of building wealth. Is cash reserves, and I'm talking six to 12 months living expenses set aside. The good thing about cash reserves is it's accessible. The bad thing about cash reserves is it's accessible. So, you know, it's, it's nothing sexy about it. It should not be invested. It should not be in a qualified account. It should be in something that you can get at right away. You're not going to earn much money on it, but it has to be something that you can get at in case those emergencies happen. Now, oftentimes people want to use their cash reserve money as a down payment. Mm -hmm. What do you tell them if that's the case?
2: Still need to leave something left in that account. You want to be prepared. Oftentimes, sometimes the loan could require you have reserves anywhere from one to three months of the monthly payment. It's something that offsets maybe deficits in past credit history. Um, It's something that offsets maybe because of the pandemic you had to change jobs a couple times to land in that great place uh if your employer laid off or furlough um so it's something you should still want to have nonetheless it's what makes you self-sufficient and sustainable okay? okay that's important it's important for you as a human being it's important for i teach my daughters that us as a people because mm-hmm. you don't have to depend on anybody else Amen. to say yes or no Amen. That's right. So that's the important.
1: God bless the child that has his own.
2: You got it. Look, that part, I need everybody to have that for themselves because then you don't have to necessarily go ask. Down payment assistance and things like that have its place. However, there's nothing like having your own
3: because they
2: don't get to tell you when or how or where you're going to use that money that they may be willing to give you because, you know how people say nothing is free? It's mm, not, that's right. it comes with some strings. Right. When you have that money and you're self-sufficient, you get to decide what's best for you truly, where you wanna buy, um, the location, the zip code, uh, what type of home you want to purchase mm-hmm. without the restrictions because you have that there. So it helps you get into the home and it helps you sustain that as well and keep that property in the family because things will happen. Life life will be life Okay? Mm. Mm. That's what I like to As say. How's it go again? Life will be what? Life is gonna be life Okay. <laughs> life is life in. With or without you? With li- or without you. Life will be life in. So things will come up. You can't always assume the best case scenario will occur. Mm. And now and those financial reserves really help you make sure that you're sustainable. You don't have to worry about a bank saying yes or no. You have the choice, the power is in your hand.
1: Which brings me to another point that I think is important to talk about. We've seen home values increase quite a bit over the last 24 months. And I believe it cannot be sustained. I believe it went too fast, too far. But people are taking out HELOCs. They are refinancing cash outs based on this increase in the value. What are your thoughts on that? And what's some of the downside to doing that?
2: Um, Leveraging your equity is huge. Equity isn't actually real until you touch it and feel it. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's the truth. It is So if you're going to use it, yeah, you have equity. If you're not, it's just this thing that you say you have that you haven't, you can't use it in any way um, until you do. So it's not necessarily a bad thing if you borrow it within reason in relation to your income. You're not going to go max out your life on it because you're right. Home values, they drop, they rise and they fall. Okay. That's something that won't change. Nobody can guarantee how much your equity position is on a given day, month, or year, or time period. If you don't go get overextended when you withdraw the money and you use it for purposes to, say, reinvest and don't do anything I would think is not wise, it's okay. It's okay. Don't overextend yourself though because you don't want to overplay your hand taking out too much equity and then think you're going to sell. Don't do that on that property. That's a No. You ask me, is that wise? Not that's a no. Mm-hmm. Paying off cars, that's also a no. Mm-hmm. Those are depreciating assets. You're not even going to have that car. Say that again, Mom. Depreciating assets.
1: Because you're buying a, property, a piece of asset that's going to lose value, uh-huh. and you're pulling it from an asset that you're diminishing its value because you've leveraged it.
2: But the also silly thing is you've taken the money, paid it off something you're probably not even going to have in 10 years, but you're still going to have that balance. Mm -hmm. And you're still going to be paying it back and paying interest on it because a HELOC normally is, you can draw from it for 10 years, okay? Then you go into repayment mode for the next five. Mm -hmm. So literally, if you borrow $100,000 and you're paying the minimum payment, it's not going to pay off in 10 years. Mm -hmm. After that 10 years pass, you're going to have a very high payment to pay it off in five flat, Mm. It has to be paid off in 5 dollars. Key HELOCs last for 15 years. you refinance the whole house and took out cash, you took out a 30-year commitment to pay off a car you're not going to have in 30 years, cars don't last 30 years. Mm. Don't pay off things that aren't going to last that long. You can put it back into the house by remodeling, maybe um, expanding the household size as far as the footprint, square footage of the home or bedroom, something of that nature. That's good because you are putting into something that's going to expand. Don't pay off a credit card you're gonna go use tomorrow. Mm. That doesn't make any sense. Because
1: you are probably charge it right back up.
2: You're gonna use it again. Yeah. Unless you have a foolproof plan to use that money to build some additional type of wealth, then you have to have a plan. Otherwise, yes, it is for not. It is a waste. You can increase your debt load. For a longer period of time, like you said, 15 to 30 years on the home equity line of credit or a full cash out refinance to buy things that won't even exist Mm -hmm. in the quarter of the amount of years. In five years, that car is going to be what? Not even running? Not possible? Really? You can't go do that.
1: Now, let's get into the weeds just a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Now, when you are closing on a loan, there's a lot of numbers on that paper that you're looking at. Now I often tell clients, be careful where, what side of the ledger the the loan is. If you can pay a lot of those fees up front and not finance them, then ultimately your loans is going to cost you a lot less. But that's never discussed at the closing table. Everything is assumed that it's going to be financed in most cases. How can a a home buyer address that or get past that uncomfortable period where they're saying? Okay, why am I financing the, uh, or, uh,
2: title,
1: the title insurance, B, these type of things?
2: It's unique because I live in a state where they don't let you finance costs on a purchase, mm-hmm. but they do let you finance costs on a recall. When I refinanced um, at the beginning of 2022, I actually paid the cost outright. I did not want to finance it and add to that balance. Of paying off my house because I paid interest on those costs that I could have avoided, so costs that you thinking that the costs right then are a lot, the costs are a lot more if you finance them over thirty years mm, yes okay because you're paying interest on top of that for thirty whole years because you included that so i would I would think twice about it, and that's again probably built into the preparedness plan of being able to purchase how much money is it going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of that. I talk to people, I've talked to someone today that's not going to actually probably pull the trigger until like August or so. They said, but I just want to know what steps do I need to take between now and then that will best serve me. Not even I just don't know, but what's best going to serve me in this market that I need to put forward to make happen in the next several months to make this an easier transition for me and to, to do the things that are actually best practices. So preparedness. Uh, so you have those options because it, it, it would just frankly be horrible if you get there and you're like, man, I'm forced to do this because I didn't prepare. I don't have this additional cash because I want to use this when I to move, to get things for my new house, to do the things that I need to do. So yeah, being prepared, that's part of it. This
1: is all about planning and preparation, that's right?
2: Preparation. Everybody can actually own a home. I always add to that some dedication so you can get prepared. Everybody can own if you have those two pieces. Because you do have to have a credit. You do, in fact, have to have money. Mm. So I don't want to advertise. Hi, you can. You got to have income. <laughs> yeah. You're going to just come today. Like, I have no job. I've never saved. And I don't even know if I have credit.
1: Those days are gone. Gone. They did exist.
2: They did. <laughs> they absolutely did. They did. And it wreaked a lot of havoc. So yes. being prepared now means that you can keep that house once you get it, sustain mm. it, pass it down, and build that generational wealth that far surpasses. Uh, what you typically can save. Like you said, in the last 24 months, um, mm-hmm. buying a home and it appreciating $80,000, mm-hmm. can you save $80,000, mm-hmm. save yeah, and not it. ever touch in 24 months? Right. That's that's hard to fathom. But if you can do it by owning, man, that's magical. Magical.
1: magical. Well, thank you so much, mm-hmm. Mo. You have dropped so many nuggets of knowledge on us today. And, and you guys can't see it because it's a podcast. A smile is worth two million dollars easily. Thank you, Mo.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It
1: was Sydney, who was a an appraiser in the real estate industry. Yep. And we all know about the news as of late: a discrimination in appraisers. What, what is your take on that and what can be done, what can the average black family do to minimize the negative effect
3: of an appraiser, an appraiser who is not giving them the benefit of the, and the value of the home? I think a few things need to happen. I think before, um, you know, a family is looking to either refinance their property, for one, they need to get together with their realtor who ended up selling them that property and gathering current comparable data. That will reflect what their property, their property should mostly, most likely, uh, come in in value on a refinance. When you are looking at a purchase as well, or if you're on the listing side, you know, a, a lot of things I've been hearing is to whitewash your home um, because you know the yeah, appraiser coming in may end. devalue that again. Market value is market value, whether you're white, black, yellow, or green. So I think you really need to come with data that will accurately depict what your property home's value is most likely to be. On top of that, when you do have those appraisers that are coming in and undervaluing your property by 40, 50, 100, 300,000. You need to report that appraiser to that state board and get them suspended, get their license revoked, make them take education. And eventually, after multiple complaints, hopefully that appraiser gets removed and it's no longer a problem for everybody else.
1: So why is it that this is such a subjective situation? I mean, the value is what the value is. So how can you have two different values on the same property?
3: Well, the data is objective. The adjustments that are made by the appraiser who should be a professional is subjective. Case in point, if there's a difference in square footage of a h- hundred square feet between one home or another, will one appraiser see that as I'm gonna appraise it, I'm gonna adjust a hundred dollars a square foot, which is a ten thousand dollar adjustment, or am I going to appraise it at fifty dollars a square foot, which is a five thousand dollar adjustment? So it could change. You know, the entire scope at the end when you start adding all the adjustment factors where your home comes undervalued seventy-five grand, where maybe it should be at par with that with the other homes.
1: Okay. Now my last question to you is a lot of people go in and do renovations to the home, especially now since the value has gone up and they have a lot of equity in their home. What are the things a person should not do that they think is adding value but is not
3: when it comes to renovations? Don't get personal. I, I always tell people you know, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass. So when you see the open house sign in your neighborhood, go into that home, see the things they've done because the market is showing that property on the market, what people want and are willing to pay for So many times people do what they like, And then when the market doesn't respond, of course, it's an emotional connection and you feel like it's a personal hit against you. So if you're buying a property for the purpose of resale, you want to do the upgrades that are par with what the market is accepting. So know the market. Don't. Be personal about it. Don't make it to a house that only you would enjoy. But think about resale when you're in a video. Absolutely, you want to be nosy. Go into those open houses. Look at you know you know your size, your neighbor's size. Look at their finishes, the quality, what kind of things they're doing, and that'd be the best. That's the best thing that you can do besides someone else telling you something that's inaccurate. Thank you so much. Great knowledge. It was perfect. Pleasure. Thanks, sir.
1: Well, if you didn't know, now you know. Make sure you are doing all the necessary prep work before you start the home purchase process. But more importantly, make sure you have completed your comprehensive financial plan. And until next time, keep building wealth. Peace.
0: You have been listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. Keep increasing your knowledge by going to marshallyourmoney.com and check out our educational videos, newsletters, and calculators. There you can also sign up for your free copy of his book, 100 Wealth Building Secrets. Like this podcast and follow it on podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media platforms, Facebook, Black Family Wealth, Twitter, James Marshall at Marshall Wealth, Instagram, Marshall Wealth, LinkedIn, James Marshall, and on YouTube, James Marshall Financial Educator. Email your questions or thoughts to james yeah. at marshallyourmoney.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, we build wealth one family at a time. I
1: know you can. I teach you how to stay. Don't waste your money, but bank your money. Don't spend your end. I teach you how to stay. Your bank account will be spilling out with them people i right, teach you how
2: to stay Number one, if it ain't making money make It ain't making sense.